Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. One day, back in 1998, our family, our little growing family, made a trip to a place called Stone Mountain, Georgia. Stone Mountain, Georgia. We were living in Cape Girardeau, Missouri at the time, and we were invited, one of the first times we were invited to a pastors and leaders conference. The pastors and leaders conference was in Stone Mountain, Georgia. We decided that we would drive. It was about a seven hour, depending, eight hour if you stopped and and looked at the sites or had lunch or something like that. So from our house to Stone Mountain, Georgia, it was about eight hours. Now, We'd have to go through some major cities, um, things like, um, well, like Nashville would be one. You'd have to go through the major city of Nashville, and then you'd also have to go through Chattanooga. And of course, you'd have to outskirt Atlanta before you got over to Stone Mountain, Georgia. Now, I'll never forget this trip. And I'll never, I mean, it is, it is etched in the back of my mind. And you go, why? Well, the thing was, it was me and Nathalie and, of course, my two daughters. And Talia, if you can imagine, was about 12 years old and Miranda was about nine. So you, we had young kids. And we decided, okay, Lord, you're, you're calling us to this, uh, to this conference. Let's go. We rented a van because we thought it would be easier and then we were off. So Nathalie packed some snacks and you can imagine we had drinks and, and there we go, right? We're going to make the, this is exciting. I've never really been to a conference like that. And so we get to the conference in Stone Mountain, Georgia. We, we stop in Chattanooga and look at the scenery and then, man, we had an amazing time at the conference. Two and a half days of learning about God, worship and just all the pastors around and it was so cool. And then it was time to go home. So what do we do? Well, we fill the van with gas, and okay, we're, we're going back to Cape Girard. God, you've done an amazing thing. And so we go through Atlanta, and, and then we pass Chattanooga on our way up, and then something happened that is etched in my mind forever. You go, what happened? As I'm driving, the kids are in the back, and, and we're just, oh, I can't believe the teaching, and that was so cool. And, and all of a sudden, in front of us, the clouds, guys, were starting to get very black. Okay, now you know the difference between gray, rainy clouds and dark, stormy, ugly, awful, oh my goodness, kind of clouds. And all of a sudden, I, I started going, okay, okay, um, uh, a few drops. Now, what I didn't tell you is Nashville, in this area, is known for bad weather. Tornadoes, okay, huge storms and straight winds. I don't know if you know what a straight wind is. It's a tornado that just is, it doesn't turn, it's straight. And so we're driving and I'm like, okay, this isn't good. Okay, maybe it's just rain. But you know the difference between rain and storm. You know the difference. And it was like, so the only question you have is how fast is this moving? How fast? And so there I am, right? And so I'm driving, and uh, Nathalie notices it too. So she's like, oh, 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 oh. So we're driving. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, torrential rain starts, okay? And you all know your windshield wipers, right? You have the ones that are like, oh, maybe. Oh, it's a little wet. And then you have, well, it's raining. And then you have panic mode, right? It's, 
right? I, that's what happened. We didn't even, we, we skipped the first two steps. We were like this, and I'm like, I can't see, I can't see. And then you could feel the wind pushing the van like this, right? And I was like, oh my goodness. Oh my, now, we're about 20 miles outside of Nashville. And I was like, oh, right? And so what happened is I really couldn't see two feet in front of me with the rain or anything. And so I'm holding on, and I'm looking at Nathalie, and I'm going, okay, sweetie, keep your eye on the white line on there. Just keep, look there and make sure I'm not over it. And she's like, okay. And, uh, and so she looks at me, she goes, do you think we can stop? I couldn't stop because I could barely see the, the lights in front, the, the, the brake lights the, on the car ahead of me, and I'm just like, okay, make sure they stay right there. Now, you don't understand. I mean, it's a, and you're, I'm just like this, and, and I just remember, and it's, are we going okay? And all of a sudden, the girls, we just said, hey, kids, uh, put, just kind of put the blanket over your head and just, um, just kind of get there, and so they wouldn't scream or panic or anything. It was that bad. And so Nathalie's like, she's like, honey, could we pull over? Could we, could we? And I'm thinking, I don't think we can. Because if I'm concentrating on the lights ahead of me and I got to focus on that, if I pull over, somebody's going to pull over. I don't know if somebody's going to come and hit us from behind. You understand. I don't know what's on the road. I don't know if there's a ditch. I don't know if there's, uh, and it's raining. And it's just like, oh, it's so stressful. You guys, I'm telling you, this is where I get the white hair from, okay? It's just stress, that, that trip. So I said, can we pull? I said, we can't. And I've got to be honest with you. You know, I acted pretty tough uh, in front of the girls. I was like, oh, I got this. But I was really scared. I was really scared. I couldn't see enough that if the brake lights came on that I could stop in time. And the people behind me couldn't stop if they didn't have enough time. And I was thinking all the whole time, we're going to end up in a 20-car pileup, just one right after the other. And you understand that. You understand when you're in this type of storm, it's dark clouds you can't see in front of you, it's rain. It's raining sideways, if you guys know what I mean, and it's coming down fast. I have never been in a storm like that in my whole life. And i got to tell you, the things that were running through my mind were very interesting, Okay? It, I, the one thing that I realized, if we get in a crash or if, I, if something happens, how it's going to affect everyone? You go, well, like who? Well, I thought of my girls. I have two little ones in the car. Oh, my goodness. I'm their daddy. I need to, I need to protect them. And I thought, what about my wife? She's right here. And I thought, what about my family, the extended family, Right? And I thought, what about the extended family and friends? You see, this storm was really just affecting, and I thought, wow, wow. All of this is going on. Now, I wish the storm would have passed in a matter of, but it didn't. It it felt like 20 minutes of driving 30 to 40 miles an hour. You had to stay there, clutching on. I mean, I I think the steering wheel had my indent of my fingers. You understand that. That's how intense this really was. And we held on. We held on. And she's praying, and I'm praying, and the kids are under the blanket, and there it is. And and eventually, you could see. And we passed through Nashville, and right out the outskirts of Nashville, we pulled over at at, at a fast food and just kind of got regained. Lord, this was crazy. This was crazy. 
this is crazy. The difference is, is that you and I, we can kind of know when a storm is coming and we can sort of prepare. But if you're in a car and you're driving, you got to get home. That came out of nowhere. And it tripped me out. Now, the reason I'm telling you this story is because I believe, guys, it illustrates what Jesus is going to want to teach us today. You go, what's that? I believe that every storm has a purpose. Every storm has a purpose. You go, really? But also, jot this down, it also wants to teach us how God works in the natural as well as the supernatural. Very, very important. Okay? And we need to grasp this. Here's why. Because sometimes when we think of the supernatural, we get so afraid, the gifts of the Holy Spirit have so been abused that we go, oh, no, and, 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 and we got to realize that God works in the natural, and he works in the supernatural. Now, no doubt in my mind that as I'm driving, I'm praying, God, please, 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 please. What am I praying? Every single prayer that I could think of. Okay, let the storm go away. Please stop the storm. Lord, help us to go. Make sure the car in front of us doesn't stop. Lord, keep me awake. I'm getting hypnotized. But all of this stuff was going, right? You understand that. I am confessing sin. Lord, please forgive me. I sinned. I was mad at Natalie earlier. I mean, I'm right. You understand. We're just con- and I'm confessing sins I didn't even do. You know, it's like, Lord, as for all of you people. No, I'm just kidding. That was a joke. But the point is, this is what Jesus wants to teach us. Something very, very, very important. But also noted, not all storms are physical. Not all storms are physical. Some storms that we go through, guys, are very emotional and very spiritual, if you will. Some storms are internal and not external. Because every one of us in this room, if we've lived in Texas long enough, we've experienced a storm. A storm that we're just like, whoa, whoa. But some of them are not. And just so I can make a connection with you, one of the other storms that we went through had nothing to do with rain or wind or roads or ditches or clouds. You guys know this, but it was about six years ago when my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so this was an internal battle of the mind and the heart. I mean, you need to understand that when we were given the diagnosis, we drove to Sonic and we just sat there and cried. We, we had, we had no clue what this journey was going to be. We just cried. My wife never once said, well, you know what? I'm, I'm done. Okay. She said, I'm going to fight. But you know what I heard? I heard your wife's going to die. That's what I heard. And so what happened was this storm came with a price. Because for a lot of times I was fearful. I was tired. I worried. I had all the same emotions that followed me. I thought the same things. What's going to happen? And how would this affect the people that I love? What's going to happen if... Now, now you understand... If God had taken Nathalie, she would be, you understand, she'd be in heaven. And I'd have to rejoice. But I think about my kids, what would they be like? 
right? What about my family and my wife's family and extended family and, and y'all? But every storm has a purpose. Every storm has a purpose. Well, today, church, listen. The Lord wants to connect with us and encourage us. Why? Because we see the disciples, we see the disciples, we see a story of them getting into a boat and trying to row to the other side of Galilee. And what we remember is that really the lake is only about seven miles wide. And they were going just a few miles that Jesus wanted them to go. You understand. The Lord's going, hey, why don't you just, it's real quick. It's real quick. Only something happened. A great storm came upon the sea. And what really tripped them out, guys, is that they were seasoned fishermen, which you know that they, if they were scared, something was wrong. You understand that, right? Okay. The way I illustrate it is if you've ever been on an airplane, this is what I do, okay? If you've ever been on an airplane and you see turbulence and you feel turbulence, you're okay. I all, you know what I do? I always look at the stewardess or the flight attendants, right? I always look at them because if they're scared, we're in trouble. They're seasoned flyers. They fly, they're, hey, would you like a drink? They, you know, they're trying to pour water like this. I mean, you understand that, but if they're like, I always look at them and go, okay, we're okay. Okay, this, this is nothing. We're okay. But if they, that's exactly what the disciples are. It's like they're seasoned fishermen. They've been on the sea. They know. They know. And if these disciples were truly tripping, I mean, they were rowing as hard as they could to save their own lives. Now, here's what I want us to learn today, church. Today, we need to learn the purpose of our, the storms in our lives and how God uses natural means and supernatural means to accomplish his will. Now, remember where we left off last week. We saw a tale of two feasts, okay? One that started in the flesh and ended in death. The other was one that was in life as Jesus brought so many people to life, right? To I mean, this was just, a, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Put yourself in the disciple sandals for just a moment. Can you imagine? There you are, you're following Jesus, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, hey, um, you give them something to eat. I know it's late, you know, 7-Eleven's closed. Um, we don't have any food. You give them something to eat. And they're like, uh, uh, there's a dude with some fish. I mean, I don't know what I was going to do. Well, you take it to him. I'm not going to take it to him. You take it. I'll, I'll look like a fool. Lord, we have some, we just have a, we have a happy, we have, right? And, and, and God did something in America. Now, that's fresh in your mind. That's fresh in your mind. Wow! Right? We have leftovers. We have leftovers. This is great. This is, uh, did you see what happened? What a bona fide miracle. This was amazing. The Lord took it, He blessed it, He broke it, and then we it was good. It was God. Now the narrative continues. So we pick up our story in verse 22, but before we do. Let me show you something that I think I want to just kind of set the, the foundation. You go, how so? If you can, turn with me to Exodus chapter 4, and I'll tell you why. Because I want to show you in the midst of the storm how the Lord works supernaturally. Okay, so hold your finger, Matthew, hold your finger. Exodus 4, if you're not fast enough, I'm sure it'll be on the screen. 
This is the story. Look at verse 1 of Exodus 4. Then Moses, you guys know Moses, right? Moses answered and said, Lord, Lord, suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. Now you know the story. The Lord had said, go, go and rescue. These are my people. And he, and Lord's like, and Moses is like, no, 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 no. Lord, time out. Hold the phone. What if they don't know? Lord. So, guess this is what he does. So the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? What's in your hand, Mo? And he goes, a mo, he goes, a rod. It's like a, it's like a staff. It's in your hand. A rod. Right? So Mo goes, yeah. And he goes, okay, here's what I want you to do. He says, um, cast it on the ground. So Moses, he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran for his life. Wouldn't you? I mean, we're not talking a little, a little gardener snake. You're like, oh, how cute, right? We're not talking about that. We're talking, this was a big staff. He threw it down. It, it, most commentators believe it was a cobra. But nonetheless, I don't blame Mo for running for his life. Side story. I'll never forget the time that we, we were, Nathan and I were doing some stuff out in the yard and there was a little gardener snake about this big. Okay. And so she was, she was looking for it, looking for it which I took a little piece of the weed and I ran it up her leg. She jumped about this high and then proceeded to run after me. I scared her half to death. She thought the snake was run. She couldn't catch me, though. I, I grew up on the west side. I knew how to fl- jump over fences and stuff. So, But, but Moses, Mo, Mo was scared. He's scared. Guys, he's scared. And, and so it came and, and it said, and he, and he fled from it. Then the Lord said to Mo, and I don't know if it was like, hey, Mo, come back here. He says, reach out your hand, take it by the tail. Not a good way to pick up a snake. <laughs> right? Right? Not a good way. You never pick up a snake by the tail. Why? Because it's the other part is the part that kills you. But, but the Lord wants to teach you something. So what does Mo do? Mo reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand, supernaturally. Now, think about what the Lord said. Mo, he's running. He's like, pick it up by the tail. Mm -mm." I mean, think about what he's saying. It's like, I would would probably be like, Lord, you're tripping. I'm not going to pick up. But Mo was obedient, and he picks it up, and it becomes, he's like, okay. Now, I don't know about you, but he's probably looking at it and make sure it is a, a stick again, you know. <laughs> and he says this, that they believe the Lord God of our fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said, okay, I'm going to give you another test. You go, what's that? Supernatural. He says, put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom, and when he took it out, it was leprous like snow. Can you imagine? Ah! And then he put his hand again, and he took it out, and behold, it was restored. What an amazing thing. He says, then it will be if they do not believe nor heed the message of the first sign. Everybody see that? Supernatural, that they may believe the message of the second sign. Now, we know that he used the first sign, right? But I don't know. It doesn't ever tell us if he used the second sign. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Hey, do you believe in God? No. Check this out. You know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. 
but it was supernatural. So here's the point. God still uses supernatural things in our lives. He still uses supernatural ways. There's signs that are amazing. He still does that. But he does them in certain times. Now, we have to be careful. You go, why? Because we realize that God uses supernatural signs for a purpose, and we must not be afraid of them. But what he's really wanting us to do is not follow after signs and wonders, but to stand firm on the word of God. That's what he wants us to do. Why? Because in the end of days, now all of us are going to be gone. Can I get an amen? Amen. But there's going to be a group of Christians here that are going to follow after Satan's signs and wonders. And they won't know the word of God. And we need the word of God as a foundation. That's what we need. As a matter of fact, let me illustrate it this way. The other day I was praying for something, for God to do something supernatural. And I'm, and I'm, I'm almost, um, questioning God. God, you see what's happening, right? You're God. You see this. Why can't you fix it? Please fix it. Please talk to this person. Please fix it. And then he began to speak to me and, and I was like, and so I went and I asked the question. I said, well, well, could God do something in somebody else's life that, that I mean, supernaturally, if you're, you're wanting this? And, and then the Lord reminded me of a story. Do you guys remember when the Israelites were, were crossing into the land of Canaan? Do you remember that? Okay. Up until that point, God fed them with manna, right? I mean, they had all kinds. I mean, the manna was, they were, it was all over the place, you know. And they had manna kana, you know, uh, you know, all this stuff. And, and they had manna bread and they had, I mean, it was manna until when? Until they crossed in the promised land. Do you guys remember that? What did God say? He said, now that you're in the promised land, you guys got to be farmers. You're going to make your own. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to grow your own vegetables. You're going to eat off the land. And the Lord reminded me, God will never give you supernaturally which you can get naturally. Oh, oh. God will never give you supernaturally what you can get naturally. And I said, so what does that mean, Lord? He said, instead of praying to me that I intervene supernaturally, you need to have a natural conversation with this person and work it out. Okay, well, I learned a lesson. Okay, okay. But God still does supernatural. He does. He still works in that way. The problem is we get frustrated thinking about this. We get frustrated because, God, why won't you do this? And we just got to focus. We got to focus. Now, with that as a background, okay, so he wants to teach us the purpose of storms in our lives. Okay, I've got to have a purpose. But I also want to see him work supernaturally because I know he still does for a purpose. For a purpose. Picking it up in verse 22. The word of God says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side. While he sent the multitudes away. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up upon the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you right now, I love the way Matthew writes, but this is, this is not how it really should read. You go, why? Well, if you have a pencil handy and you're not afraid to circle, circle the word for made. 
Okay, circle the word for made. Why? Because it's, it's the term invited, but more strongly urged. So Jesus didn't just go, hey, fellas, if you're not doing anything, why don't you go over to Capernaum? I'll meet you there. He's like, guys, get in the boat. You need to go to Capernaum. Oh, the, the master said, get in the boat. Let's go. Let's go. Now, what you need to understand is the boat was in the middle of the storm. It, it was in the middle. Okay, well, how so? Okay, well, again, how far was it? About six miles from where they were to Capernaum, about six miles. Now, these are seasoned seamen. These are seasoned uh, fishermen. They know. And so there they go. They get on the boat. Okay, well, we'll just, we'll just do what Jesus says. We'll do what Jesus says. Hey, let me, let me ask you, let me, just, uh, let me just sidetrack you for just a moment. How many of us in our Christian walks obey the word and not question God? The disciples had no clue what was going on, but Jesus told them, he made them go and get in the boat. Now, it doesn't tell us, but I wonder if we would be like, Lord, hold up, Lord, hold up. I know you want us to get in the boat, but where are you going? I mean, are you going to come? What's going to happen to you? Well, maybe we shouldn't go. Well, I don't understand. Well, what do we do with these 12 baskets of fragments? Do we not do that in our walks? And, and, and I wonder how many of us need to go, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Listen, listen. Catch this. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Were the disciples fishermen? You go, yeah, they were. It's easy to obey when we know that it's comfortable, when it's something we've done before. How much harder is it to obey when we've never gone that way before? Ooh, that's good stuff right there. Because that's what the Lord wants to do. Listen, hey, whatever you've done, you go, hey, here's the thing. Ben, I want you to go preach at this church. I get an invitation. That's easy. Okay, yes, Lord, let's go. But what if it's something that I've never done before? Lord. And, and I love the fact that they just, they get on there. They get on there. So what does Jesus do? Guys, picture in your mind. And uh, Tamri, do you remember, do you remember the Sea of Galilee and the mountains up? Oh, Jesus goes up on the mountain and he can oversee the Sea of Galilee. That's where he goes. So he can see the guys on the boat. But they're in the middle. Now, what you need to know about the Sea of Galilee is that, A, A, it's, it's, it's way below sea level, and it's like in this valley. So winds can come, and you can have a storm in a matter of minutes. It's not like, hey, there's some dark clouds coming. We better, you know it's coming. It could come. And, and I mean, this is what happens. This giant storm comes up there. And it happens and can pop up at any time. Everybody listen. Any, say, say any time. Why is that important? Why do I emphasize that? Here's why. Because I think it can be a metaphor for life. Storms in our lives can pop up at any time. Storms in our lives. I mean, we, we might get up Monday morning going, it's going to be a great week and we're going to, and boom, we're in the midst of a storm, a bad storm, a sickness storm. A family storm, a relationship storm. You guys understand. 
So, so okay, okay, okay. But look at verse 24. It says the boat was in the middle. Do you guys see that? Okay, it was middle. Here's what I want you to do. Circle the word middle, but also circle the word toss. I want you to circle, I want to emphasize those words. Why? Because in the Greek, here's what it means. The word middle says they would have gone hours, some commentators say nine hours, rowing nine hours to go halfway across the lake. They had just fed everybody. The Lord's like, hey, go over there. And they're here, they are rowing. And they're rowing, and there's an, oh my gosh. And he says, you ready? He says, man, the storm, the storm is that brutal. The storm is that brutal. So they're in the middle. Okay, they're not close to the shore. They're probably rowing to get back to the shore, but they're in the middle. Okay, you go, okay, I understand that. They're in the middle. They're about three miles in. You're like, cool, 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 cool. And then it says, they were in the middle of the sea. You guys see that word? Tossed. Circle that word in your Bibles. And you go, why? I found this word interesting. Okay? Originally, it belongs to the calling of the inspector of coins. That's what that word means. You go, what? I'm sorry. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually linked to the Hebrew word to test, to test. You're like, what? Yeah. What they would do is this person would look at the coin and they would test to see what color this coin was. And you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Lord is sending them into the storm to see their true colors. Wow. Guys, it's not an act of ugliness, but a beautiful way to show them their blind spots. That's what that word tossed means. Oh, and some of us feel tossed in life. And the Lord said, no, 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 there's a purpose for this. What's the purpose? The purpose is so God wants us to see our own hearts. Our own hearts. Why? Why does God want me to see my own heart? I'll tell you why. Listen, jot this down because it's necessary so we can make the corrections and move forward with God. You understand. A lot of folks will come to church when they're right in the middle of a storm. Emotional storm, financial storm, a spiritual, whatever. Oh, I got to go to church. I got to go to church. I got to go to church. Let's go to church. We'll find a church. A church. And then they come in and they're in church. But the problem is, is that, is that they, uh, their hearts are exposed through the teaching of the word of God, but they don't make the necessary connections or corrections so that they can move forward with God. And that's why you'll see some people in, in just a brutal storm and come to church, and, and, and okay, I'm going to follow you, God, I'm going to follow you. Lord, if you get me out of this one, I promise I will follow you, I will be your servant. And then when the storm subsides, you don't see him anymore. Because they didn't, they didn't make that correction. I mean, their true colors came out. 
how do you know if what I'm saying is true? Well, because the Word of God actually identifies this. How so? In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, it says this, And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you, here's why, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. That's what the word of God says. He says, guys, listen, here's why. Here's, here were these storms in your life. So, so I could, so I know what's in your heart, the Lord says, but I want you to see what's in your heart. I want you to see what's in your heart. Sometimes, church, listen to me, as believers, we need a, we need a godly perspective of the storms in our lives. Because sometimes the storm will show us our heart. And sometimes the storm will test our faith. Are we going to keep our eyes on him? Are we going to trust his sovereignty? Is he the Lord of our lives? Is he the Lord of our lives? Doesn't it tie in beautifully to the parable that he told them about the sower and the seeds? He said, hey, when tribulations come, he says, it chokes it out, man. And now he's saying, okay, here's the storm. Now, what happens in the storm? Look at verse 25. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. Why? They said, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. Now, you know what the fourth watch is? It's between 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning. That's how we know they've been rowing for almost nine hours. Can you imagine doing something for nine hours? They're tired. They're frustrated. They're, they're thinking they're going to die. They're scared. And now, here comes Jesus, and they think he's a ghost. Why? Because other Gospels tell us that he was coming on the water, but it was like they were going to pass him. And I wonder how many of them were like, oh, this is it. We're dead. We're done. We're de- <laughs> it's the grim reaper coming. To- no, I don't know what they're thinking, but it's like it's a ghost. And I love what Jesus does next. Why? He comes walking on the sea. And the text, guys, indicates that he was walking on the water of the waves. You understand that? So if the wave went up, Jesus would go up. If the wave went down, he would go down. And why is that important? Because it shows, it shows us that he wasn't near, like, like some people feel like he was near the edge of the shore and that he could walk and the water was about ankle deep. He was still walking on water, but it wasn't really water. No, no, no. The text says he was walking on top of the water. That's supernatural. Okay? So Jesus goes up to a mountain to pray just a few minutes before. He looks at the guys and says, ah, here's the storm, and he's watching and he's praying. God, show them their hearts. And then after a while, he's like, I better go get them. I better go get them. There he comes walking. And notice what he says. Notice what he says. He comes walking on the sea. And you go, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is that Can that happen? Well, as a matter of fact, there's a side note. And some of you fact finders 
Well, go to YouTube, and in 1998, guys, there was a video captured a storm that they actually measured waves 10 feet high on the Sea of Galilee, and they're recording it. And it's like, wow. And it just, out of nowhere. And here comes Jesus, and notice what he says. He says, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And I'm like, man. Wow, what is Jesus really saying? Well, guys, in the original Greek, he's saying, take courage. Take courage. Cheer up. Cheer up. Don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. This is so amazing. When we're in the midst of a storm, when the waves come crashing all around us, You know what you need to hear? You need to hear the voice of Jesus saying, don't be afraid. Take courage. Here's the most important part. I'm with you. I'm with you. The boys just saw an incredible miracle of feeding the 5,000, and now they're fearful for their lives. It happens that fast. And yet, guys, here's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, hey, listen, listen. Right now, you're in the midst of a storm. Things seem to be really out of control. Hey, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. If feeding 5,000 men, not including women and children was not enough to convince the disciples that he is God? Here he comes walking on the water in the middle of the sea. Now, I think the only folks in here, um, Adam and Tiffany and Tamri, been on the Sea of Galilee. Anybody else been on the Sea of Galilee? You might have? Okay. Um, we often thought, I don't know if you guys thought, but I always thought, hey, I would like to get out and walk on the water. I think it was pretty cool. Okay? And um, I didn't have enough faith. You know, I didn't get out of the boat. I don't think they would have let me anyway. But I probably, I mean, we, we thought, this is it. This is it. And here comes Jesus. Guys, you can't explain away the supernatural miracle by saying that it was in the shoreline. The text tells us that it was where? In the middle of the sea. In the middle of the sea. That's a great principle for us. You go, how so? Let me just say this. Jot this down if you're taking note because it's going to help you. Jesus is always above the storm. Keep that in mind. He's always, his feet is always under the storm. You and I, we may go through it, but Jesus is always above the storm. I love that. And number two, what did he say? I am with you. Here's what you need to know. Jesus is always with you in the storm. That's what courage means. When you have courage, it means that somebody is going, I've got you. You're okay. Let's do this together. Right? Isn't that what it means? Sometimes you're, you're doing something daredevilish, right? And your buddy's like, come on, let's go. Let's do this. And you're like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. Ah! And, 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 and that's the courage. But when you're going through a storm and you feel alone, Jesus says, I got you. 
when my wife was diagnosed with cancer, here's, here's what the Lord told me. I remember looking at her and saying, hey, um, I've had you for 27 years. And here's what he reminded me, that she was God's daughter before she was my wife. And that's the courage I needed. It was also courage to fight, okay? And so she fought hard, and God healed her. But I know that he was with us. I know that he was with us. Do you realize that today could look so different had the Lord decided to take Nathalie home? My life could look different. Thank you, Lord. So here comes Jesus. Look at verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, come. And when Peter had got down out of the boat, he walked on the water to Jesus. Hey, way to go, Peter. Okay? Now, we all give Peter a hard time. Okay? Because he's going to drown here in just a minute. Okay? He's going to drown. But I want to remind you, Peter was the only one that got out of the boat. I want the faith of a Peter to get out of the boat. I want the faith of a Peter. Hey, let's get out, let's get out of the boat. Let's get out of the boat. Now, what we need to understand, what we need to understand is that term command, right? And it said, Lord, if it is you, command. This is what he's saying. That text means, Lord, make this happen. Make this happen. It had to be supernaturally. It had to be supernaturally. And you know what Jesus says? Jesus says, come. In other words, that term says, I'm making it happen. I'm making it happen. So there's Peter. Can you imagine? I wonder what the other disciples are thinking. Dude, what are you doing? Hey, it's the Lord. How many of us would do this first? Right? We're, we're, we want to make sure. Peter got out of the boat. Now, I don't know about you, but I would have been over here and I'd be like, the dude's crazy. How could he be a disciple? <laughs> He's cuckoo. I mean, seriously, look. And there goes Peter, right? Right? And, and it's so cool. But I think one of the purposes of the storm in their lives was to see that Jesus is God walking on water. They saw it. And to see that the Lord will always be with us. And to see that we can do supernatural things in God's will. There's always those things. And you go, well, Ben, what do you mean? Well, Peter was walking on the water, and it doesn't tell us how far he walked. Come on now. Some of you thought maybe just a couple of steps. We don't know. He could have walked from here to Joe. Wow. Think about this. The miracle of walking on the water. What if it's a picture of faith for you and I in these last days? As we focus on the faith of the Lord, as we focus on the return of Jesus, our lives, we've got to walk on the water by faith. 
by faith. I mean, think about it. As believers, why are you here? Why are you here? Unless you're waiting for something, you have hope in the Lord. It's twofold. You said, what's twofold? Number one, you're waiting for the Lord to come and get you, but you also know that he's walking with you in this life. Is not the purpose of the storm? Is not that the purpose of, here we are, here's a storm in our lives. Okay, God, I'm waiting for you to come and rescue me. But I also need you with me in the midst of this. I also need you with me. Well, what happens to Pete? Well, when the, notice, when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And he began to sink and he cried, I love Matthew. I think I would have wrote it. That dude just drowned, man. He just went down like a rock, you know. But he's like, oh, he began to sink. And he, and he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. And he said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And I don't think the Lord was like, oh, Pete, come on. Who brought Peter to the, <laughs> who, who invited Peter to the discipleship? I mean, no, he was just like, oh, dude. Now, think about this. For a moment, Peter takes his eyes off Jesus, and what does he see? He sees the waves, the water, the wind, now, I want to make sure that you're with me. Everybody say, the water, the wind, and the waves. Why is that important? Because these all cause doubt in Peter's life. You'll get it. It's coming. So what happens when you doubt? Naturally, he sinks. And he begins to drown. And he goes down fast. And the only, only breath he has right now is enough to say, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. What's the lesson? You ready? In the middle of our storms, in the middle of our storms, you keep your eyes on him. Why is that important? Because if we, we need to trust him. We need to trust him with our lives. And even in the end, if you feel like you're drowning, you need to know that Jesus was right there. The text says he was right there. Right there. Pete's going, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. This is, Lord, oh! And he's like, save me. And the Lord's right there. He's like, right there. Right there. The Lord reaches out his hand. And, so, and it's so cool. But here's the point I want to make. Every storm, you got to get this, church. I promise you, every storm causes fear. Fear will fuel doubt. Doubt drowns faith. You got that? Every storm will cause fear, and that fear left unchecked is going to cause doubt, and doubt will always drown your faith. But I love that Jesus reaches down and restores. And restores I mean, this is, this is, this is good. And the next, oh, okay, okay. I'm fear. And this is exactly what our world is today, guys. It's creating fear. It's creating fear. Because then fear will fuel doubt and doubt will drown our faith. 
So what are we doing in the pandemic? We're keeping our eyes on Jesus. That's all we're doing. That's all we're doing. Well, that's what you should be doing. Amen. Whether we have a pandemic or not, we're going to keep our eyes on Jesus because we know that there are individual storms in life. But something happens, something so beautiful. Look at verse 32. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Wow. Why? Why is that verse so important? Guys, supernaturally, they were all on the boat, and the sea was calm, like that. Other Gospels tell us that, man, immediately they were on the shore. Okay? So it wasn't like, Pete, oh, come on, get in here. Oh, hold on, everybody help me. Pete, get in here. And, and, and they're trying to throw Peter a line, and, and, he's, and they're pulling him into the boat, and there's Pete going, I'm sorry, Lord, I messed up. Oh, don't worry about it. Okay, guys, let's row. Right. He said immediately, boom. God is, is, is control over the, the land, and, and, I, and I love this. And I think there's some great application for us. How so? Well, we must allow the Lord to, to, in our lives, to work in our lives how he pleases. Lord, here's my life. Work. I think the lesson is simple. The, sometimes the Lord leads us into a storm. Why? So we can see our own hearts. Let me ask you a question. How many of us made a resolution in 2022 that we wanted to draw closer to God? You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to raise your hand. But, I, you know, we go, I want, I want to draw, I want to walk closer to God. And immediately you did that, you were in a storm. <laughs> it felt like, right? Immediately like, oh. He wants to show us our hearts. He wants to show us our hearts. Listen, some storms, okay, some storms are designed to discourage us. Hey, God's not really with you. God didn't call you. You don't hear the voice of God. Oh, I'm in the midst of a storm, man. There are some storms in our life where God is silent. He's silent. And we're crying out to God, where are you? Where are you? And he's like, I got you, but I'm... Some storms are designed to discourage us. Some storms are walked through with natural courage that the Lord gives. Just... Okay, okay. And some storms are won by the supernatural intervening of God. Some storms are won that way. Before we finish our text, let me show you something, okay? The disciples in the boat, having watched the whole thing, what do they do? What do they do? Well, the text says they worship Jesus. They worship Jesus. And I find that interesting. Why? Because Peter failed miserably. They're super Pete. Lord, is that you? Let me come. Come on, bud. Right? And the next thing you know, he's drowning. God, help me. And he's all wet and he's crying and, he's, and he, he messed up big time. In front of his peers. And so there's Pete in the boat, and he's over here shivering, and he's cold. He's like, <sighs> right? He's been rowing all night and everything. 
Not one of the disciples ridicules Pete. <laughs> did you see that? What did you do that for? Come on. Pete, we told you. Golly. They don't. What do they do? They see the whole thing. Their focus isn't on Pete. Come on, somebody. Their focus is on the Lord, and they worship him. And they worship him. What's the point? Our eyes should always stay on Jesus. Don't look at people as failures. We see events as failures, but we're always watching him. You can love people back to life when you don't look at them as failures, even when they fail. You can love them back to life going, hey, you made a mistake. Come on. Get in the boat. Let's worship Jesus. Your friend, your sister, your brother, they come to you, and they've really messed things up. They've really made some bad choices. What do you say? Get in the boat. Let's worship Jesus. And they're like, but, but you don't understand. I really, that's okay. I, I didn't get out of the boat. Let's worship Jesus. I'm not worried about Pete. I need to keep my eyes on Jesus. You know what the disciples were doing? They were running in their own lane. They weren't worried about Pete's lane. They weren't worried about Pete's lane. They were going, let's worship the Lord. Look at verse 34. And when they had crossed over, they came to the land of the Gesaranet, okay? Which means hope. I love that. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent out to all the surrounding regions, brought him to all who were sick, and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as, and as, many as touched it were made perfectly well. Well, this blows my mind, and I'll tell you why. Think about Jesus, okay? Put on your thinking caps. He ministered all day, the day before, okay? He went across to get alone with God. The people followed him. He fed them supernaturally. Then he went up to pray, exhausted, you know, long day, walks on the water, saves his disciples, and instead of going, okay, now we need to get to the place where we can just rest. We just need to rest. Come on, guys. The people recognize him, and they start bringing everyone. And what does Jesus do? Jesus has compassion on them, and he touches them. Can I, can I point out one more thing, guys, as we close? Let me point out one more thing. Jesus never turns anyone away. He never turns anyone away. But I also want you to see that although Jesus was tired and spent and hadn't slept all night, he ministered to the people supernaturally. And sometimes when you're tired and you've worked all day and you've had a rough night and someone comes to you and says, hey, I need, I need to talk, it's going to have to be supernaturally the way you minister to them. In the flesh, you're going, I can't do this. I can't do this. But you go, hey, Lord, you're going to have to help me. And supernaturally, you can do this. He was tired, but God gave him strength. Okay? So, the purpose of storms in life. Okay? 
the purpose of the storms we face, number one, can we agree to get our attention? To get our attention. Sometimes storms get our attention. Oh, 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 oh. Sometimes a storm, storms are sent to cause us to acknowledge the presence of Jesus and our need for him. Okay? Sometimes when we're walking, we sort of drift. How did I end up here? See, I'm not even in view of the camera anymore. How did I end up here? The Lord said, hey, come back, come back. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I walked away from you for a minute. Sometimes the storms in our life are to increase our faith. They're to increase our faith. Okay, Lord. Sometimes the storms in our life are to prove the keeping power of God. I want you to look at your life just for a brief second and think how amazing God has been in your life to keep you and to preserve you and to walk with you. But Ben, it hasn't always been roses. There's no life that's full of roses. But he's been with us. And right now, you can feel his beautiful loving arms just holding you. Just holding you. You know why storms are sent sometimes? Sometimes to prove to Satan that we'll be loyal to God. That we'll be loyal, that that we're not giving in, we're not giving up. But I've got homework for you. I've got homework for you. You go, what's that? The whole text from from the verses that we studied, guys, from verse 22 through 36, shows a beautiful picture of the gospel. How Jesus rescues us. But before, how he came to... I mean, it's so beautiful that you look at it and you go, wow. And you and I in the sea is metaphor for our lives. We're rowing and we're rowing and we have faith and we trust God that we're going to get to the other side. But let me say this. Did the disciples get to the other side? Come on. Did they get to the where they were going? Okay, y'all had doubt. You're like, oh no. Hold on. Yes. You know why? Because Jesus said they'll get to the other side. You're going to make it too. You're going to make it too. You're going to make it too. But let me say this too. Let me, let me give you one last thought, okay? Lord, this must be from you. All the disciples were rowing. Isn't that a beautiful picture of the body? Because God never called us to do life alone. And we all need to row. We all need to row. But then we're not going anywhere. Well, then we're all not going everywhere together. But we're doing it together. I wonder how many times Peter wanted to quit, and then he looked at James, and there's James, right? And there's John. Come on, we could do this. And then, and then you've got like some of the disciples who didn't know anything about fishing, and they're in the boat, and they're like, we're not fishermen. Just keep rowing, bro. Just keep rowing. Does this happen before? Yeah, it happens before. Has it been this bad? Well, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say. Just keep rowing. That's the same thing with us, guys. 
Would you please lift up your arms of your brothers and your sisters and love on them and say, keep rowing. We're almost there. Yeah, but I don't feel Jesus is here. I don't feel, but Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Father, we thank you for your word and the truth in your word today. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for church. Father, our hearts at Calvary Chapel is want to make sure that everybody knows you. And so I never want to leave a service without giving a proper invitation. If you're here this morning and God brought you here, you're watching online, whatever it is, and you have been tracking with what I've said, but here's what's going on in your heart right now. You go, Ben, you've been saying some things, and it made me realize I don't have a relationship with God. Not, not like this, and, and, and as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm a little bit... You talked about the, the storms, and I've got to be honest with you. I feel like I'm a million miles away from God right now. I just, I don't feel like, like I'm... But let me say this. You might feel like you're a million miles away from God right now, but you're one decision from coming back to Him. And it's no mistake God brought you here today, and it's no mistake you're watching online. All you have to do is say yes to Him. All you have to do is say yes to him. Well, how do I do that, pastor? In a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity. To do what? To just get right with God. This is the most important part of our service because it's a chance to invite those who don't know God to join the family of God. Let me tell you what you get. The Lord Jesus is going to forgive you of your sin, remove all your doubt, all your guilt, all your shame, And he's going to come and live in you and he's going to give you a brand new life walking in him. And you're going to have peace and joy. That's what God promises. But he'll never force his love on you. You have to do it yourself. So you need to ask yourself one question this morning. Where am I with you, God? Am I in a right relationship? And if you're not, then you need to give your life to Jesus today. How do I do that? All you have to do is lift up your hand. I'm going to pray for you, and then I'll lead you in a prayer. If God is speaking to you, not me, God, in your heart, and you know, because I've seen it, it's like supernaturally, the Lord's going, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to be right with me. Then you need to lift up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to get right with God. Would you do that right now? If God is speaking to you, and you want to join the family of God and live forever in heaven with him, and walk with him, then you need to be saved. Well, how do I do that? Would you just lift up your hand? We'll acknowledge you. We'll pray for you. All you have to do is say yes. Would you do that right now? If there's anyone here that would do that, you go, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. I want Jesus. I just want to make sure. Lift up your hand so I can see you. Father, thank you for the hands that were raised. We praise you. Lord, here's our prayer. Here's our vows to you, if you will. We ask that, Lord, you would forgive us of our sin and that you would cleanse us from all the unrighteousness and godliness in our lives. We believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died on the cross for me. We believe he was buried and was resurrected three days later. We believe he's alive and he's sitting at the right hand of God. We believe that he's going to come back soon and we're going to be ready. 
But while we're on earth, here's what we would say. Lord Jesus, would you forgive me of my sin? And we would invite you to come into our heart and not only be Savior, but be Lord. Guide us and take us on the paths of our, of our lives. Be with us in the midst of the storms. We invite you to come into our heart to be our Lord, to be our God, to be our Savior, and to be our friend. And you might pray something like this. Lord, this day I choose you, Lord, for forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, man, we want to welcome you to the family of God. We've got a Bible and Bible study guide. If you're watching online and you did pray that prayer, if you're listening to podcasts, please let us know. We don't want you to do this journey alone. We want to walk with you. We love you. We love you. So we thank you, God. We thank you for this church. We thank you for your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.